Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. If you have a Bible, open up to page one or Genesis chapter one. Either way, uh, same thing. I'm guessing it's page one. I don't know. Um, Genesis chapter one is what we're going to look at. And uh, because it's Mother's Day, when I think about moms, uh, I think one of the things that moms do best is they bring order to chaos. Do they not? They bring order to chaos. Um, Think about uh, little kids playing, right? Uh, Fall down, scrape their legs, scrape their arms, start crying. They go to mom, and a Band-Aid and a kiss brings order to their chaos, doesn't it? Or um, as the kids get a little bit older, um, a teenager gets their heart broken. Dad stands there awkwardly, like pats them on the head, like, ah. Middle school, what do you think was going to happen, right? Like, and then mom comforts and brings order to chaos, right? Um, and that's what we've been talking about. That's the words that we've been using as we've been thinking about this idea of work. And so our working definition of work is, uh, we're going to throw it up on the screen, yeah, bringing order to chaos by creating and cultivating in God's good word, good world, sorry, uh, bringing order to chaos. Moms are great at that. Just because you're not a mom doesn't mean that that's not your job as well, um, bringing order to chaos. And before we dive into the text uh, that we're going to look at as our main text, which is Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, I want us to think about setting up the stage. Um, Because prior to that comes uh, the creation narrative that we find in Genesis chapter 1. And... I believe that this is God bringing order to chaos. And we can see that uh, in the two different phases of creation. We have the first phase of creation, which is preparation. Preparation day one, he brings light, right? All darkness is chaos. Light brings order. Uh, day two bring in, begins, we begin to see sky and water, right? All water is my biggest fear, right? That's chaos. He brings order to that. Then he brings land and plants. We see vegetation happen. see uh, life beginning to come forth. We begin to see order in the midst of chaos. And then comes phase two of creation, which is the population phase. Uh, And we see a parallel to the first three days. We see light bearers being created on day four. Uh, We see day five, fish and birds uh, get created. And this uh, life begins to bring, uh, come forth in the midst of his creation uh, as he begins to order the chaos. Then we see day six, animals and humans created. And in the midst of all of that, he looks at man and he gives man what, it, what is, uh, it's a job, right? It's the, um, the cultural mandate to, to be fruitful and multiply and to have dominion or work or leadership over all things that he's created. 
And it would be foolish for us to look at God working and to look at you working no matter whatever job that is and to leave out one of the most important aspects of God working, which is day seven, which is rest. I think rest is important for us to understand uh, why rhythms happen. Sabbath needs to happen in our soul because he created us in his own image. And so as image bearers, we represent him and we resemble him and he rested. And so therefore we should rest. I think it's really, really important because um, in dominion or in work, we play a part in God bringing order to chaos, right? Uh, In creation, God brings order to chaos. In dominion or in work, we play a part in God bringing order to chaos, which is an important part. But... We are able to work hard because Christ is worthy of our work. Christ is worthy of us bringing him the best. But we are able to rest because Christ is sufficient. He holds all things together. And so we are not the sole opportunity for order to be brought forth on this earth. God is the one who is bringing order to this earth. We get to play a part in that. We get to play a role in that. And the more we think uh, the greater our responsibility is, the the less and less we begin to rest, which is an unbiblical concept, is not resting. So we rest because he's sovereign and we work because he's worthy. So let's look at what he has given us, what, the, what um, uh, scholars call the cultural mandate of man. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And if, if you're looking at um, the text now, you notice that there is uh, something different about what's about to happen. There's been this cadence about God uh, creating days one through six. And then all of a sudden here in this moment, the writer stops that cadence and kind of sets something aside for importance. To, to make us look deeper at what is going on. He says this, it's kind of a poem. So God created man in his own image. and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the bird, birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's the second time that God says, be fruitful and multiply. After he created the animals, he looked at them and said, be fruitful and multiply on the fifth day. But he says more to man, his image bearers. He says, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion over the earth. To work it and subdue it. 
And that's what I want us to look at today. As we kind of close up this My Work, My Worship series, uh, the last two weeks we've looked at why we work and how we work. And today, what I really want us to look at, now that we have kind of the context of what's happening in Genesis chapter 1, we are going to look at where we work. And I'm excited about that because I believe that God uh, is going to challenge us and shape us through this idea um, for the years to come. Uh, so dominion or work requires two things. It requires strength and it requires strategy. The first thing that I want us to look at is, is dominion requiring strength. And, and, and if you think about this passage, it says, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over it. Uh, that is not an easy task. If you've been a follower of Jesus for more than a day, you know that it is hard. And it requires a significant amount of strength, doesn't it? And if uh, you've been walking with the Lord any length of time, you know that the things that happen inside of our mind can be uh, treacherous. And often a lot of followers of Jesus struggle with how do we deal with what's happening in our minds. I believe that one of the most important things about physical uh, uh, dominion requiring strength is mental strength is that what happens in our minds, what's happening between our ears, is one of the easiest places for the enemy to attack us and to cripple us. And for us not to acknowledge that, I think we would be foolish. Think about Romans chapter 12. What does Paul say to, to the people that he's writing to? He looks at them and he tells them to renew their mind. Right? Renew your mind. Why? Because it is a minefield. It is a battlefield that the enemy loves to manipulate us in. It says, don't be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The enemy wants to manipulate us, wants to distract us, and wants us to make something more valuable than God. And if he does that, he wins. So one of the places that I think we need to focus on as it pertains to our mental strength is um, becoming a professional. Because your job is so much more than you being a professional. You're created for so much more than that. Am I saying that you do a poor job at work? Absolutely not, because that doesn't glorify God. But what I am saying is, you are more than your work. And that's hard to hear, because so many people's identity is wrapped up in what they do. But you're, that is such a sliver of who God has created you to be. And when you begin to elevate work over what God has created you to do, it becomes an idol, and the enemy wins. So mentally, we need to process that. We need to think about that. We need to get the enemy out of our head so that we can not turn into professionals, but we can turn into people who are advancing the kingdom of God. Dominion requires strength, and that includes mental strength, 
Uh, but it also includes spiritual strength because we would be foolish to not think about spiritual strength. It is church, by the way, right? Um, there's a few aspects as it pertains to spiritual strength. I think we could probably do an entire sermon series about spiritual strength. But I want to address a few that I think are important, and I think we can see them in the text. One of the first things is that God created all things. And he said they were good, and he gave uh, his creation, the animals, um, a responsibility to be fruitful and multiply. But then he looks at us. He looks at man, and he gives us more responsibility. Those who were created in his own image, he gives them a personal responsibility. Right? We, we, get a, we get a command from a personal God. God didn't just say, hey, like, good luck with the earth. No, in, in the beginning, God was with man. He was interacting with him regularly. So part of our spiritual strength means that we have a personal relationship with God. And that's, that's important. Moms, that's important because I know that you want your kids to follow Jesus. They have to have a personal relationship with God. So many, I talk to so many moms that carry around this guilt because they feel like their kids aren't where they would like for them to be. And, and moms are some of the most faithful prayers, the hearts of their kids. But every single one of us has to choose to follow Jesus. Every single one of us has to be overwhelmed with the sense that God is bigger and better than any other thing that I can find on this earth. It's a personal relationship with a personal God. That is important. So we have a personal relationship with God, and this cultural mandate is from a personal God, but we also have a right relationship with God. And we can see how a wrong relationship with God can lead to destruction. Because we see Genesis chapter 1, God created everything, it was good. Genesis chapter 2, uh, we rehear how God created everything. And then Genesis chapter 3 comes, and sin enters the world. It's no longer good. This right relationship with God is fractured by sin. In order, in order for us to fulfill what God has created us to do, is to have dominion over this earth so that we can advance his kingdom, sin can't be a part of our lives. And that's not a very fun thing to talk about in the world that we live in. We have so many people who choose their sin over God. And when they begin to look at the pros and cons, they think, hey, God can be useful to me sometimes, but this is more important. And if we don't have a right relationship with God, we're never going to fulfill our cultural mandate. We're never going to be able to truly advance the kingdom of God. So we need to have a right relationship with God. Killing sin so that we can live for him, live for Jesus. This is, this is the gospel. We are dead in our trespasses. We're dead in the things that we've done. But yet God, being rich in mercy, 
extends love to us, not because we were worthy, actually the opposite of it, but because he is worthy and he loves us so that we who are dead can now be made alive. The gospel isn't making bad people good. It's making dead people alive. It's making people who are in bondage and in slavery free people, different people, new people. We can't allow sin to win because we have someone, Jesus, who's defeated that sin. And then the the last aspect that I think is important for us to understand in light of spiritual strength is appropriate relationship with creation. And I'm not... I think there is this pendulum in, in light of creation that... A lot of people err on two different sides, right? There's God has given us creation, and he said it was good. He says that we're supposed to cultivate it, and we have to have dominion over this, take care of our creation. And so there's these people over here who say, I don't really care about all of this other stuff. I'm going to live my life, and if I make creation better, that's fine. If I make creation worse, I don't really care. And then there's the people over here who most people call hippies, right? Um, I drive a hybrid, and so I'm not saying I'm in this camp. I drive a hybrid because my car, when I fill it up, I don't fill it up with gasoline. I fill it up with hopes and dreams, right? That's all it runs on. It's awesome. But these people over here, the extreme people, elevate creation over man. And creation becomes an idol. And it's not, it's not about our having dominion over it. It's about creation having dominion over us. And I'm not saying these people are right. I'm not saying these people are right. I'm saying the people that walk in the middle are walking the way God has commanded us to have an appropriate relationship with creation, to care about it, but not to elevate it. So dominion requires strength, but it requires strategy. Strength is fill the earth and subdue it. Strategy is dominion over all things. Dominion over all things. And uh, this, we, we see this three different ways. The first thing is, uh, is bringing and sustaining order. Look at creation. Genesis 1. Not everything happened at the same time. That would have been utter chaos, right? But God had some order. He had a strategy for it. He had preparation day one through three, and then he had populations, population day four, five, and six. There was a process. There was order. There was strategy to it because God is not a chaotic God. He brings order to chaos. And we see that both in the days individually as he brings order to chaos, but we also see that as we pan the camera back and we see how he brought ultimate order to ultimate chaos. And so there's strategy, there's bringing and sustaining order. And what happens if we're no longer living in our strategy? I mean, when we're not letting strategy, so this is what, let me go, let me, I'm going too far. Strategy is looking at how God has made you and allowing him to use your gifts to advance his kingdom. Chaos 
does not willingly submit to order. There has to be a plan. And for some of us, we have plans. And our plans involve our family and our plans involve our careers. But how many of our plans involve the kingdom of God? Because there has to be some sort of order. There has to be some sort of plan, some sort of process so that we can bring and sustain order. Because we have a purpose. You have a God-given purpose. This mandate to be part of God bringing order to chaos. God is the one that brings order, but he utilizes us to be a part of that. So, try to jump ahead, but what happens when we're not living in our purposes? What, if we're, what happens when we're not fulfilling what God has created us to do? Jesus addresses that in Matthew chapter 5. He's looking at his disciples. They've kind of collected on this mountaintop, and there's some other people kind of standing off in the back listening to what he's saying. And he looks at people, and he looks at people, and he says this, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. And he keeps going on. We have a purpose. And when we stop fulfilling our purpose, like salt no longer being salty, we're not useful to God anymore. Not that he's going to get rid of us, but he has given us a purpose. And so many of us get distracted by doing good things, and we don't fulfill our purpose for doing what God has created us to do. It's a dangerous place to live because um, we as Baptists are very dutiful Give me a box and I'll check it, right? That is the Baptist policy, right? That should be on our bumper stickers. But God doesn't want us to be dutiful as we interact with this world. We don't look at God and say, hey, God, I was, I, I was a salt and light in my work today. I put a little a verse by the coffee maker. Check. I'm good. Purpose is bigger than that. Purpose doesn't look at a box and try to check it. Purpose overflows within you. It oozes out of who you are. When you see people who are living with a purpose, they're, they're attracted. You're attracted to be around them because you're like, hey, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. And guys, we are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We have a purpose, a God-given purpose. He's cultivating so much in us. He's given you gifts. He's given you skills. He's given you experiences. Why? So that you can be unleashed into this world to advance the kingdom of God in a way that we have never experienced before. 
Your purpose is to advance the kingdom, not your own personal comfort, not to buy a bigger house, not to buy a nicer car, not to buy more toys. It's so that we can advance the kingdom of God. You have a purpose. And along with that purpose comes motivation and drive. We have a mandate to be a part of God bringing order to chaos. And when we don't, just like in Genesis chapter 3, when sin entered into the world, when we don't bring order into chaos, it expands. Chaos gets bigger and bigger. It gets darker and scarier. So your drive is that God has sent you into a chaotic world with the ability to make a difference by showing and sharing Jesus. He is the only one that can bring order to chaos. He has defeated our biggest enemy, sin and death, and we have the ability, if we believe in this, to extend that to people. We have, we have a order, we have purpose, we have drive. And if we believe that God is in control of all things, that Jesus reigns over all things, that means that where you are in your vocation, whether that is an engineer or a teacher, whether that is in an exercise class or staying at home or anywhere in between, that he has placed you exactly where he wants you to be so that you can advance the kingdom. So, do you need to reevaluate how you look at your work? Do you need to think about what God has given you to do and how you are using that to advance his kingdom? Or do you need to reevaluate where you work? There's a lady in this church who, um, in my opinion, um, was able to make a really strategic missional move that has opened the doors for the gospel for us to enter into Wedgwood Elementary. She was able to take a job as the lead counselor there, and uh, we already had uh, kind of an impact on that campus, but uh, with someone like her in the position that she had, the, the gospel has been able to go inside of that public school unlike ever before. And I believe that God placed her there for a reason. And I believe that God has placed you where you are for a reason. And maybe he's ruffling some feathers at your job. And maybe you're starting to think about taking the next step in your career. What if 
what if we didn't approach our job to advance our career? We approached it to advance the kingdom. What if we looked at ourselves as being on mission every day? That the job that he has given you has a purpose in bringing the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We have a core philosophy uh, that we talk about often. It's called ready to launch. We look at everything that we, have, that we have been given and how God has sent us into the world and we are ready to press forward the gospel. That is who we are as a people. And if that doesn't impact our jobs, if that doesn't impact where we work and how we work and why we work, then who are we? I want to show you a picture. It's a map of our area. It's called the 4B area. From the Beltway to the beach, from the Bay to Brazoria County Line. Inside of the 4B area, there are over 500,000 people. Over 500,000 people that claim to have no religious affiliation whatsoever. That doesn't include the people that say they're Christians that come to church on Christmas and Easter. Over 500,000 people who do not have a relationship with God. What if we begin to look at our jobs, our career, not to advance our career, to advance the kingdom? We begin to see, see ourselves as sent people into this area because there's no, it's no secret that our church wants to plant a church. And we want to plant a church in the middle of this area that desperately needs to hear about the good news of Jesus. To desperately needs to hear about he who can bring order to chaotic lives. Maybe God's stirring up some division at your office, at your job, or inside of you. Because he wants you to maybe make an intentional, a missional move to advance the kingdom of God in the 4B area. People all around us are overwhelmed with chaos. They've tried to bring it to order, but they have been unsuccessful. The only way someone can experience true order is when they experience the true Jesus. That's it. We can't offer them anything else. Advice? Eh. Jesus is the answer. There's two things. Two different kinds of people here today. People who have chaos in their lives. I would say to you, come and experience order that is found in Jesus. And then there's people who might have a relationship with Jesus. I think our sending out is this. Go and share this news 
this good news of the gospel, that God is making dead people alive. He's making people that are enslaved free people. This is what God has for us as a church. Forty years ago, we were planted by a church in the community. This isn't a shot at them, but they haven't planted another church since then. I don't believe that that is what God is calling us to do. We could easily plant a church in the 4B area and in 40 years not do anything else with planting and be fine. But I believe that God is raising up people who want to saturate the 4B area with the gospel, that want to see life brought to this dead area, that want to see 500,000 people come and experience order. God is creating a desire and a passion for us to be churches that plant churches. But in order for us to be able to get there, we have to start with ourselves. We have to start by looking at what God has given us, our skills, our experiences, looking at our careers and say, God, I give it to you. It's yours, Jesus. So if you don't know order, come and experience him. If you do, let's go and share that. May pray for us. Lord Jesus, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for uh, what you've done for me in bringing order to chaos in my own life, in my sinful life, my broken life. And I know that you have order to extend to so many people who desperately need it in this room, and in this community. And so, Lord, whatever you're doing in our hearts, don't let it stop so that we can be different because of what you're doing in our lives. Lord, help us to extend order to these people in the 4B area. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.